You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. We're talking with Dr. Scott Benjamin about dental lasers, something he knows a great deal about. In previous episodes, he shared his wisdom with us about implementing lasers into our practice, laser safety and utilization, and the use of lasers in soft and hard tissue procedures. Today, we will be specifically discussing the use of lasers in endodontics. Dr. Benjamin is in private practice in upstate New York, is the chairman of the ADA Standards Committee Working Group on Dental Lasers, past president of the Academy of Laser Dentistry, and is the technology editor of the Compendium. Scott, it's great to have you back on another Viva Learning podcast. As always, it's a pleasure being here, and I look forward to discussing what I consider one of the most valuable things we can do with a laser with you. Let's just jump right in. What's the role of a laser in endodontics? The role of a laser in endodontics has been discussed for many, many years, and there's an extremely huge amount of misconception. And the first thing is to really discuss what is the what is the role of endodontics? And the role of when we're trying to treat an endodontic situation is to basically completely decontaminate the entire endodontic canal system as a whole, not just the primary, the main, the main canals. And the role of the laser is to help facilitate clean out the entire system, just not the canals itself. It becomes an adjunct. Now, there are some people that claim that lasers can be used in a variety of capacities to doing all this. And it had been discussed for years of using a laser to heat up the material inside of the inside of the pulp chamber as a way to facilitate the sodium hypochlorite um, activity. Well, the idea, if we really want to heat up that material, the heat probe that we use for heating up our gutta percha will do it as effectively, if not more effectively, than a laser. So we don't need a laser to do that. Um, using a laser as to, in turn, with a photo initiator um, really doesn't have much role because we would have to get the photo initiated, a chemical that would absorb the light energy. And if we have to also remember the basic principles of light. Light travels in a straight line. Right. Light energy itself is not going to clean out an accessory canal. And so when you hear these type of things, it becomes very confusing to the clinician because none of us have a problem treating a very straight, clean canal, an upper anterior, for example. We don't have any problems at all cleaning out the main canal. But we know that almost every tooth in the mouth today has an accessory canals. And this is an area in the past that has been, that is the number one reason for endodynamic failures. The role of the laser is to create an environment, an agitation that is going to in turn remove all the organic debris from the entire endodontic system, not just the main canals and in turn enable us to get a very thin flowable endodontic um, obturating system to flow in and seal those up. So what, what, what is the mechanism that enables this disinfection to occur? The, the mechanism and the laser is being used, believe, believe it or not, but indirectly to clean the canal. Uh, the, the, the PIPS technique and the sweeps techniques that are available today are creating a very, very small vapor bubble. And that bubble, as it expands, the pressure is going through the orifice. And as that bubble contracts, it literally is causing a negative pressure and removing the debris from within the canal itself, and more importantly, from inside of the, the accessory canals. So we can minimize the amount of instrumentation that needs to be done, thus minimizing the weakening of the endodontic 
our weakening of the two structure by over instrumentation of the endodontic system. And yet at the same time, being able to clean out all of the, um, the canal system, the tubules and everything else and facilitating that. And it's the contraction of that little vapor bubble that's being created. So the laser light energy is not cleaning the canal. It's creating a very small bubble. And it's the contraction of that bubble that's causing the negative pressure to in turn um, clean out all the accessory canals. So people uh, will talk. Yeah, so just not to interrupt you, Scott. So, so as a retired endodontist, I can just jump in here. So at what stage of the instrumentation process do we bring the laser into play? Again, following normal endodontic procedures, we can minimize our instrumentation because, again, the role of instrumentation when we're using a laser and endo is to give an exit path for the organic debris. So we're going to do our basically finding our, our primary canals or basically finding any canal that, that is available to us. As we know, very commonly, molar, upper molars and even lower molars have have four or more canals in, but finding the primary canals, doing a minimal amount of instrumentation first to give us an access or a, a basically an exit pathway for the organic debris. So minimal, minimal instrumentation, we're talking in size and standard K-files terms, 15, 20, how, how wide do we have to go before we would go in there with laser? There are some people that believe you don't need the instrument at all. Um, I'm not a, a believer in that philosophy. I'm a trying to keep my apex as close as possible as that I can, and then following a very, very specific um, protocol. So I'm routinely doing an, basically one at most two um, files, maybe going to an, do an 04 at, at maximum right. of an 04 <laughs> taper, mm -hmm. and trying to keep my apex as sealed because, again, we know that the apex of most endodontic systems is not a single canal, but is a delta of, of a variety of canals. Right. And, and what the whole idea is to give us access. So as we are causing this, this expansion and contraction of that vapor bubble, a pathway to bring that organic debris out. So uh, is, are, is sodium hypochloride in the canal system when you use the laser? Very much so. In the, in the, in the idea, there's a very, specific protocol of irrigating the canal with first with water and there's some people believing today that using ozonated water is even going to be an an enhanced version of doing that mm -hmm. then going in and using some edta and again using the vapor bubble to try to to, to use that chelating agent to try mm -hmm. to get rid of much of the inorganic debris as we can and then several passes again with water in between of sodium hypochlorite to remove all the organic debris, being then again again followed up with 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 a pass with water, and so these are, there's a very very specific protocol to basically disinfect the entire endodontic system. Right. So the dis the disinfection process is still being caused by the sodium hypochloride. It's you're creating a turbulence though with the laser that helps draw the organic tissue out. Is that right? That. That's exactly it, that the disinfection is being caused by the sodium hypochlorite and the laser is causing a, a wave motion or a negative positive pressure type of, of concept to literally give a pathway to remove it, which is one of the reasons that we're, what we are routinely doing is several 
passes of sodium hypochlorite, evacuating in between those passes of 30 seconds in duration to remove as much of the organic debris that, that we can, and hopefully all of it. And some studies have shown that with, you know, looking at through um, and a scanning electron microscopy, that there literally we have completely, and I don't want to use the word, but we've completely disinfected the entire endodontic system. A safe, you know, a safe term to use is virtually, virtually disinfected. <laughs> exactly. Because again, unfortunately, the word sterilization, it, it gets kicked around. And we know that the only way to sterilize a tooth is to throw it into an autoclave. So uh, which, we, did we mention before we started this podcast that we're talking about a hard tissue laser, correct? Right. It has, to be, it, it has to be a laser that's very highly absorbed into the into the aqueous solution that's being put into the canal, whether it's sodium hypochlorite, which is, again, about 5% of sodium hypochlorite and about 95% water, right? or whether it's ADTA, which is 70% EDTA, and again, 80-some percent water. Mm -hmm. So again, it being highly absorbed in the water to create that expansion and contraction of the bubble. And again, the biggest concern that people have to understand is the number one mechanism is light absorption in the water inside of the canal that cause the wave action and the ability to withdraw that out of there. Now, one of my primary concerns when I first heard of these techniques was, are we going to be extruding sodium hypochlorite out of the apices? Right. And that was a major concern that I had. And I had to literally dive into the studies that have been published in the Journal of Endodontics and a variety of other very highly peer-reviewed applications to actually show that it's actually showing, and we have some nice videos showing, that that negative pressure is actually being created. And if there's one downside, I would say, to this tech technology and this technique, would be it's be creating such a great negative pressure within the canal are we literally bringing debris or infectious material through the apices and into the two structures? And that's the, you know, and that, and that, that was my primary concern. We were not seeing that happen at all, but that was a concern that I, that I really wanted to make sure I have addressed. What I'm looking now at an endodont-operated um, um, system, I'm expecting to see of the very thin biocompatible material being expressed out of the, out of the terminus, whether it's at the apical end of the tooth, or even as we're seeing very commonly now, along some of the accessory canals that are along the root structure all the way. I'm actually seeing now, um, a, you know, expression of the of the sealant material out of canals that are so fine that I can't even see the canal or I can't even see the obturating material inside of the tooth itself, but I can see where it's exited the tooth in the, into the periodontal space around the tooth. Mm -hmm. um, and that that I've just found absolutely astronomically beneficial. So what I'm looking for is to seeing that being done so that I'm making sure that we are sealing up all the terminuses no, for all of the accessory canals as well as the main canal, whatever they may be. That is a very primary concern that I have is we want to make sure that we're completely disinfecting, as you said, virtually disinfecting the the, the system and in turn sealing it up so that the bacteria and other microorganisms cannot get into this area where they're, you know, where it's, it's been contaminated in the past. So, but sealing, then, sealing it up, we're talking about the obturation part. How mm -hmm. does the, how does the laser, the hard tissue laser, um, other than draw the organic tissue out of the lateral canals, how does that affect 
the actual obturation. With the idea, if, if, if there's still debris in, the, in these accessory canals, as you go to obturate it, the, the debris is still going to be remaining there. And the whole idea is making sure that we get, again, as much, if not all of the debris and microorganisms out of all the canal systems that we can, where we cannot get conventional instrumentation into. Because as we know, we never get instrumentation into all the accessory canals that exist in the true endodontic system. Right. So, so in your end, practice as a general practitioner, you started doing more molar root canal since you've had the laser system? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my, my belief is, is that if I can access the primary canals, I'm going to be able to completely disinfect that system, no matter of the shape or the contour of, of the root canal system. Because what is doing the, the cleaning is not the instrumentation, it's the it's the wave action that is being created by the PIPS technique of the laser. Mm -hmm. That is what's truly cleaning the canal. And the role of the instrumentation is to give us a pathway to get out of there. Right. And so I'm, I'm now routinely, if I cannot get into the, into the primary canals that I would expect to be there, that's when I want to refer these cases out to my specialist. And I'm dealing with some very, very good qualified specialists in my area. I'm very great. I shouldn't say my area, 50 miles away. But um, well, very yeah, in your case, in your case, because you practice in such a remote area, I could totally understand you trying to tackle these tough molars, even though and, many GPs don't. And my failure rate has been basically non-existent, which hmm. is surprised since I've started this technique, which is, you know, which is really enhanced my practice tremendously. The failures that I'm seeing, unfortunately, are failures of misdiagnosis. Because after doing this technique, what we're actually finding is where there are root fractures that I did not pick up on the radiograph preoperatively. I'm now able to see immediately postoperatively knowing that that, that, that case is going to fail mm -hmm. and telling the patient that, okay, we've been able to clean the system out, but due to that fracture, I'm expecting an extremely poor outcome and the chances of losing this tooth become, are extremely high for that reason. Yeah, even, so, in, my, even in my grad endo program, Many years ago, we were, you know, it was stressed that it's the disinfection instrumentation part that is so critical. Obturation is obviously important. There's no question about it. You want to seal everything up, but it's that initial locating the canals, instrumentation, disinfection, and that whole cycle of, of uh, shaping the canal is, is the critical part. It's what you take out. And what's exactly. Yeah. If so. we don't completely remove all the organic biological material in the pulp, you're, you're, setting, are, you're setting yourself up for failure for sure. And, and that's it. And then, and again, my biggest concern I have in my practice today is I'm now looking at the endo I did for the first 30 years of my practice where I did not use a laser and very rarely saw an accessory canal. Mm -hmm. And today I'm seeing it routinely, literally in over 80% of my patients. And so it's giving me lack of confidence in my past history or my past treatments. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and again, that gives me a very uncomfortable feeling. So are there special considerations for the obturation technique once the laser process is done? Because we are cleaning out these extremely fine accessory canals, we need to have an obturating system that is also very thin that allows the appropriate flowing into all these accessory canals. And then the role of the gutta-percha is now more of a plunger technique 
to literally drive the sealant out into all these very small torturous canals right. that we know we can't get the gutta percha into. Right. So I look at the role of the gutta percha today rather than as the filling of the canal. The role of the gutta percha in, in, in my mind is to literally drive the sealant out to seal up all these accessory canals that we have now appropriately disinfected and to keep you know the organic material from re-entering them and the bacteria from re-entering them in the future. So when you use the laser during this disinfection process to draw the organic material out, you, you have the sodium hypochlorite in the canal system, but when you're, fin when you're finished and you're ready for obturation, obviously you wanna dry the canal system. So we get all the, the irrigant out, the chelating agent's gone, the sodium hypochlorite is out. Do you go back in the laser once you've dried the canal system and you, and you use the laser dry? just to see if you can no. pull, pull more fluid out and then dry again? No, I don't. With the idea that the, I don't want to use the laser energy to possibly damage the endodontic um, system itself. How, how, so would you I, how, would, how would it be damaged? Well, again, with the idea of, remember, laser energy is going to be absorbed into the, into the, hard, into the hard structures and possibly burn the side of the canals. Mm -hmm. So we don't really need to go back in at that point. I'm drying it with gutta percha point, and I'm actually using an obturation system that it, that has a little bit of hydrophilicity to it, very specifically for that reason. Well, you said you're drying with gutta percha point. You mean you're drying with drying I'm points? Drying with, I'm drying with, paper, with absorbent paper point. point. Right. Sorry about that. I'm drying the canal with my paper points mm -hmm. as much as I can, knowing that am I going to be able to dry the accessory canals to completion? And the answer is no, which is why using an obturating system that facilitates some hydrophilicity to it right. becomes important, you know, with the idea that these lateral canals are so fine that I know that I'm never going to be able to get anything in there to dry them all. So I'm using a, an endo evacuation system as well as the paper points between each one of the end and each one of the cycles of the various medicaments, whether it's just ozonated water, ozonated water, EDTA, sodium hypochlorite, between each one of those passes. And again, there is a very specific protocol that we use to make sure that we, we clean out the canal system as much as we can and then drying it as much as reasonably possible, knowing that we're never going to get a completely for lack of a better term, bone dry. Mm -hmm. and so, then use... Curiosity, how many endodontists do you think are using hard tissue lasers in their practice? It seems to be growing by the number. There has been some publications in the Journal of Endodontics, and actually the AAE has actually come out with a position paper that they believe that this is actually a very good adjunctive system to conventional root plane or conventional endodontic procedures. You know, and so that's the whole idea is let's not throw out the techniques we've been using in the past because we're using a laser. Let's enhance them with laser utilization. Yeah, I mean, the take home here is that most dentists probably thought that it was the laser light that was doing the work. I mean, it is through creating the negative pressure in the bubble that you talked about, but it was assumed that the laser energy itself was doing the disinfection. But here it's and, it's actually creating a mechanical environment that's doing the, the pulling and the and and circulating the sodium hypochlorite. Exactly, that is exactly the best way to describe it. The light energy itself is creating the mechanical energy, and it's the mechanical energy that is actually cleaning out all the, the entire endodontic canal system. All right. So now the and question it, is: these things cost seventy-five thousand bucks. 
is, you know, it's great to have a dental uh, hard tissue laser in your office. If you're doing endo, you can say, hey, let's grab the hard tissue laser and let's use it for this procedure. But if you're not an endodontist doing it all day and you're a GP, uh, are you going to spend $75,000 to add this into your endodontic workflow when possibly your root canals generally may be anterior teeth or straight single rooted bicuspids? Um, is that something that's, is there an ROI on this? I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to diminish the benefit to the patient, but if somebody's, if a, if a practitioner is getting 99% success rate, you know, obviously they're not going to say, well, I need to spend 75, I need to buy this for my practice. What's your what thought on gonna, that? Well, you're going to, uh, what I'm finding is more general dentists are doing endodontic procedures better than they've ever done in the past. And they're doing more involved cases that in the past they may have considered referring out. Why is that? Knowing that it, because of the confidence they have when they've done the simple procedures of how they're cleaning out the system, mm-hmm. that now they're more, again, going back to the idea, they've gained the confidence to tackle more involved procedures that in the past they may have referred out. And when you consider the cost of, of to the patient of a molar endodontic of treatment today being well over a thousand dollars, it doesn't take a lot of those type of procedures to pay off um, a device that costs somewhere in that range. And again, I'm routinely doing my molar endo, and now in a single appointment, so I've reduced all my endo in a single appointment because of the confidence level that I have that I've have appropriately have cleaned out the system with the, with the laser protocols that I'm using. Mm-hmm. I have now gained the confidence that I now don't need to bring the patient back for a second or even a third visit. The ones, if I can't get any sort of seepage to stop at the at that primary appointment, then I'm going to reschedule. Right. I was just going to say, if you, can't, if you can't get the, the canal system dry, that, exactly. that's, that's an exception. Part of the reason that, that many clinicians that we're, are doing multiple um, visit endo is to give the time to leave the medicament that's left in the canal time to possibly seep into these areas that they weren't able to, to yeah, clean out yeah. with, yeah, with using calcium, of course, yeah, calcium hydroxide, especially, you um, know, and so with the fact that we have confidence or again, people that are doing these techniques have gained the confidence that they're completely disinfecting the entire endo system. There is no reason for bringing the patient back because they've decontaminated completely at that appointment. And again, patients, Love the idea of not having to come back for multiple procedures. No, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, this has been excellent. This, uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap up this one? Uh, fantastic information, Scott, as as always. Uh, any closing remarks? Yeah, again, I and I believe that very shortly this is going to become the standard of care and endodontic procedures just because of the confidence level that we're seeing with what we're doing. The more times you use a device, the more efficiently we perform dental care, the better the cost of the return on investment. I personally would not practice today without the hard tissue laser that I have in my office. If I had to give that up, I would quit practicing (laughs) because I would feel that I would be not doing the the justifiable service to my patients. And again, of all the, 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 the modalities that I have, I feel that this is probably the one that gives me the greatest confidence in my outcomes and gives me the best return on investment to my patients because enabling me to be doing better care, faster, and more efficiently. Thanks for your expertise again, Scott. And uh, 
We have um, more to come. We're going to be a, we'll probably be doing a dedicated podcast on photobiomodulation, which is a, a hot topic. We're going to be talking about that separately. We're also going to be talking to you again about advanced laser procedures coming up. So Scott, again, thanks for joining us on Dental Talk and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Phil, as always, it's a pleasure. And remember, uh, whatever we can do to help patients is in everybody's best interest, the patient and the clinician. 